Today's show is made possible by Fittery. You've probably purchased some dress and casual shirts online before, and sadly, you've probably had to return many of those items because they just didn't fit. Now, you do realize, of course, that billions are spent returning all of these poorly fitting clothes, right? Well, the madness can stop. The hassle of having to return all of this stuff can stop. Well, this is where Fittery comes in. They've devised a process by which you can almost guarantee that the dress and casual shirts you buy online will fit. And from brand names you'll recognize, Brooks Brothers, J. Crew, Land's End, Ralph Lauren, to name just a few. And they're adding more brands every day. Now, I myself use Fittery, and setting up my account was very simple and took almost zero time. Just go to fittery.com intrepid, complete the quick size tool, and you'll soon be ordering dress and casual shirts that actually fit. Again, that's fittery.com intrepid. You'll love Fittery, and you'll actually enjoy and look forward to ordering clothes online again. Let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Oh my, just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things the ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I'm your host, Todd Schneck. Today promises to be a very, very intriguing conversation. I couldn't even tell you what the main theme of this conversation is going to be because I have so many interesting things to talk with with today's guest. Uh, I don't even know where our conversation will go. Promises to go down some interesting tangents and interesting paths. Promises to be very informative. Uh, Looking forward to it. Say hello to my guest. His name is Jeff Wilson. He is the president and CEO of 352 Inc. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to have you. Thanks for carving out some time to join me. I know you're a busy guy and got some cool stuff going on, planning a lot of interesting things. So I uh, do appreciate you carving out a few minutes to join us. Before we get into our conversation, Jeff, uh, a couple of quick uh, things I need from you. One, tell us a bit about you and your background and then give us that overview of 352 Inc. What do you do? How do you serve your market? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia, and run an 80-person digital product development agency. That's 352 Inc. Also dabble quite a bit in the startup space and and run some startups and have have involvement with some startups. So just kind of part of the tech world in general. But I've been doing at it for a long time. Started the company, gosh, 17, 18 years ago now. Back then, just a real simple kind of web design company. The web was in its really in its infancy. A lot of people getting online for the first time in the late 90s. But over the years, we've grown, and now we do really complex websites, software, 
and apps for companies ranging from startups all the way up to Fortune 500s. Outstanding. Now, don't you have a history in Florida? I mean, I think you've you've you're headquartered now in Atlanta. I don't know how long you've been there, but but isn't there some background in like Gainesville? Yeah, I started the company out of fraternity house room at the <laughs> at the University of Florida. You know, many years ago, and we were headquartered in Gainesville. We grew in Gainesville. We hired a lot of UF students and. And kind of had this group of, of folks who, who were coming out of college and, and doing this with me. And we did it together and, and are still doing it today together. But we've kind of grown beyond Gainesville. You know, we still have a huge office in Gainesville, over 30 people there. But we also have offices in Tampa and Atlanta. I made the move up from Gainesville up to Atlanta uh, about a year and a half ago at this point because we have been experiencing a lot of growth up here. And some of our largest clients are in Atlanta but certainly Florida is still a really big part of our company as well. So you're a gator then. So, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> now, you're talking to a seminal here, pal. So okay. this promises now to be a very contentious conversation. No, yes, I'm kidding. Yes. So why Atlanta? Why, why did you uh, plant some seeds up there? Yeah, I mean, Atlanta, it's really the capital of the South. I mean, it's there's so much business opportunity. There's so many Fortune 500s. And a lot of the Fortune 500s here, which is kind of interesting, is their, their consumer-facing Fortune 500s, their consumer brands, you know, brands like Home Depot and Delta and UPS, which consumers interact with on a day-to-day, whereas a lot of other cities have big collections of Fortune 500s, but they're holding companies or they're energy companies or they're companies that people don't have a lot of interaction with. So Atlanta's got a lot of, you know, well-known companies um, and, and kind of below the Fortune 500 ranks, there's tons of mid-sized companies as well as a really thriving startup community, a really thriving tech community. So just the scope of what the city has to offer in terms of all of that attracted me to come up here. Yeah, no, there's a lot of cool talent in that city. So that's very, very exciting, especially for a growing organization such as uh, 352 Inc. So very, very cool. All right. Well, gosh, like I said at the top of the show, a lot of interesting things to talk with you about. And I don't even know where to begin. I guess where I do want to begin is the idea of uh, you focus on corporate innovation. And and you said pre-show to me something pretty cool. Are you bringing startup thinking to a corporate enterprise? Why is that so necessary? I mean, talk about some of the cool Fortune 500s in, in Atlanta and, 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 I mean, a lot of amazing corporations out there, but, but a lot of them are stuck in a very old school traditional mindset. Why is there value to bringing startup thinking to a corporate enterprise? Yeah, we live in a really interesting time right now. You know, corporations, big enterprises with very established, you know, revenue streams can be disrupted by two guys in a garage right. and they can be, they can be disrupted quicker than ever before. I mean, the even in the last five years, we've seen such an increase in the cycle of time that a startup can go from an idea to a launch to gaining market traction to, you know, getting millions of users and be worth billions of dollars. Like that time period that that can occur is so compressed now. I mean, you know, if you look at how long it took Snapchat to achieve that, you know, or Uber to achieve that in just a few years versus even a Facebook, which actually took, you know, a a little bit longer. And by longer, I only mean like maybe five years, but it's even quicker today than what it was 10 years ago, you know, the ability to do that. And so corporations are, are, you know, large established enterprises. I mean, they're being threatened at every level and they really, they all have the mindset that, well, you know, we need to be innovative. We would rather, you know, kind of 
be the disruptors and disrupt ourselves rather than have dis others disrupt us. And that's the right attitude for them to have. The problem is that while a lot of them have that attitude, they all suffer tremendously on execution. It's really, really difficult when you're in a huge bureaucratic, political, you know, many, many layers of hierarchy environment to actually be agile, nimble, get anything done quickly. And that's what you have to do if you're going to compete against the startups of the world. So we've seen different companies deal with it in different ways and some better than others, but they all kind of have a common thread, which is that uh, if they really want to be, you know, agile and quick and nimble, some of that work is best done outside the four walls of their company. Yeah. And that's where we come into play. You know, yeah. we can we bring the teams to, to bear, we bring the we get their ideas, you know, to launch and, and and we do it really quickly and rapidly and outside of their bureaucracy. Yeah, no great stuff. Innovation is one of those things that what worries me about it when 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 an organization large or small is thinking about, hey, we need to be more innovative. I worry it's one of those things that has such a broad definition that if you ask 10 people, what do you mean by innovation? You get 10 different answers. What's the Jeff Wilson take on what innovation is in the context of the work that you're doing in terms of bringing startup thinking to a corporate enterprise? Yeah, so this is really interesting. I think this has changed quite a bit too, even in the last five years. Innovation is now 99% iteration. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a lot different. You know, innovation used to be about the big idea. Innovation used to be about the Steve Jobs visionary, you know, person with the great idea, this magical idea for this amazing device or website or whatever it was. And that's a lot of pressure. You know, yeah. that's a lot of pressure on an individual or a company to have to be, think about this. But it used to be that. It used to be about the big launch and you're building this amazing product and you're building it for two or three years and then you have this giant launch party and this whole thing. Now, today, with the tools that are available and with, you know, kind of the mindset of the consumer, you're actually better off to launch something quickly that is rough around the edges. You don't necessarily have to have all the answers. You just have to have a problem that you're trying to solve. And you just launch something that's lightweight, that is, you know, a little bit rough around the edges, but does an adequate job of solving part of a problem and you see how customers respond and you just stay really, really close to your customers and you iterate and you iterate and you iterate and you iterate. And, and if you get really good at doing that, you get some really innovative stuff that you end up with at the end. But it's not because you started with this amazing innovative idea. It's actually rather because you ran a very tight, iterative, user-focused process and that ended up where you actually came out of that with something really innovative. Now that, I love what you just said, but that goes against so much corporate thinking. I mean, that, that's, that is so antithetical to how most of these corporations and these large enterprises operate. How do you go in? How do you look someone in the eye and say, yeah, you have to think different on this? How do you do that? I mean, what do you say? What's the context of the messaging that you deliver to them for, for them to sh shake free of that of that traditional thinking to be? Because I think it all goes And another way to ask the question is, I mean, a big part of your approach is, is looking at this from the context of agile methodologies. How do you how do you have that conversation? Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because normally when we walk into a corporation now, there are a group of people who kind of get that, they've read about that, they understand that, they've kind of seen that vision. And then you get a lot of folks who are kind of, you know, stuck in enterprise legacy ways of thinking and legacy systems. And, and so there, you get this interesting internal fight that occurs and we see it happen time and time again with these big companies we go into. You know, I actually paint the story 
through a personal story, and that's two different startups that I was heavily, heavily involved with. And by heavily involved with, I mean my wife actually started the company, and I worked with her, you know, in it. And three five two supplied the technology for the company, and we had two different startups. One of which was a massive failure, and one of which was a massive success, and ended up getting acquired by a Fortune five hundred company a year and a half ago. And the compare and contrast between the two stories is the difference in process. Mm. And the way that we, the, the one that was really the big failure was the one where we did all the mistakes that big companies do. We came up with an idea, we were in love with the idea, not the problem we were trying to solve. We spent a year and a half developing the idea. Tons of money, tons of effort, tons of time. We then launched to market. We didn't incorporate users throughout the build process. So when we launched to market, we, first of all, were late to market. We you know, had burnt so much time, had burnt so much money, and then realized it didn't connect with users. Our market timing was bad because we had spent too long in development. We made so many mistakes, and then the product just, it failed. And then we took all of those learnings, and we brought them into our next startup, and we said, we're going to do this one different. We're going to launch to market in 90 days. We're going to we're, we're go from idea, from drawing board, to actual product in people's hands in 90 days. And, and then we're going to iterate, we're going to iterate, we're going to include our users in the development process. We're building a solution for them. We're going to be in love with the problem, not the solution that we bring to bear, but the problem that we're trying to solve. That's where we're going to put the emphasis. And this totally different approach yielded a totally different result. And I tell those stories and, and, and I think people start to really connect sometimes with their own failures, failures that happen inside their enterprise where mm, it sounded a lot like my a lot more like my first story than my second story and then they become a little bit more open to some of the concepts that we bring to the table got it i've heard you talk about this idea of quote barely managed to lead what do you mean by that yeah that's that's interesting that's how we manage our company and how we manage our teams to do these types of projects so i'm a big believer in servant leadership i'm a big believer that if you put teams of really smart people together and you give them a common purpose, a common vision, you allow them to kind of align and uh, come up with their own, you know, kind of methodology for how they're going to be, you know, t working together as a team, that that team's going to feel very empowered. They're going to feel very in touch with the work that they're doing, especially if you allow them to have, you know, really daily communication with their client, really close connection to the work that they're doing. You're not funneling communication through project managers. You're, you don't have layers of management. You don't have you know, your, your, your people don't become order takers. Rather, you actually put them in a position where they are empowered, almost like they're running their own little small business within your business. And that's the philosophy that we use. So we have these different teams within our organization. We've got about 10 of them that work on these projects for these large enterprises. And, and our job, my job as the leader of the organization, is to find really good people who I think are going to work really well together that all have the complementary skill sets that are needed to, to bring a project from start to finish and to put them together and then, to, and then to empower them, to empower them, to make sure they're meshing well together, to align them with a great client and then and to get out of their way. And so that's kind of, you know, so barely managed to lead basically says, you know, if you really want to lead your organization and, and, and do these types of projects, you should really barely manage at all. You should cut down on the management side 
uh, and and increase the leadership side by taking that you know kind of servant leadership approach. Well, the question I'm going to ask you next is almost going to sound repetitive because because you you in essence already answered it, but I think it's important enough to review it again. So <laughs> so so bear with me, uh, Jeff, as as I ask this question because you're going to say, "Well, wait a minute, I just answered it." But yeah, that's the point. I want you to repeat it because it's so important. It's another one of those concepts, this idea of barely managing to lead. I wouldn't, if, were I working in a large team or organization, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. That's still a spooky concept to a large corporate enterprise. So, so to, a, to a manager of a large team or a division or even the enterprise itself, listening to this and they say, well, boy, I like the sound of it. It looks good on paper, but it's still scary and, I, and I'm not sure exactly how to do it. How, what, do you, what do you say to that guy? You, you, you put your hand on his shoulder and look him in the eye and say, wait a minute think again, here's what you do. Yeah. So, I mean, particularly if you're trying to do these kind of innovation types of projects, you have to do this. And, you know, what it really means like inside a large enterprise is if you really want to innovate and you really want to come up with new things, you've got to put a cross-functional team together that includes all of the people who are able to, you know, that all of the different skill sets that are necessary to develop something new. So in our case, it's, you know, we do digital websites, digital software. So it's, you know, designers and programmers. But in in the case of, um, you know, if you're developing physical product, maybe it's engineers, whatever it may be, but you take a team of people, shouldn't be too big of a team, you know, ideally, five to nine people tops, fairly small, you know, nimble, agile team, and you have to separate them out. You have to take them, you, you give them vision, you tell them what you want them to achieve, you give them time frame, you give them mission, and then you put them out on the side and you, you cut everybody off in your, in your uh, organization from communicating with those folks. That's necessary in order to do innovation type of work, in order to do new product type of work. When it fails is when the people who have those responsibilities and they're supposed to be coming up with kind of new things, but they're also saddled with a whole bunch of other things going on and they don't have the freedom, they don't have the creativity, they can't, they can't break away to truly you know, make any change. Or even if they could, they don't have the resources at their disposal who are on their team in order to affect any change. So just the, just the idea of breaking those folks off, putting them to the side, leaving them, leaving them alone, leaving them out there and giving them some runway that alone is going to be able to produce a far superior result to anything you know currently happening within the four walls. Outstanding. All right, Jeff Wilson and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Golden Source Consultants is a different kind of management consulting firm. Like their logo, The Lion, the firm represents the courage and ability to overcome difficulties. Once and for all, GSC is dedicated to helping clients solve critical challenges, tackling organizational change and business transformation with turnkey solutions and agile project cycles. The lasting value of their work is seen and felt in their clients' ability to sustain improvement and meet business objectives long after the project is complete. Join Golden Source in their fresh approach to problem solving by contacting them at 404-692-5540 or learn more about them online at goldensourceconsultants.com. Right, I am back with Jeff Wilson, President and CEO of 352 Inc. So, 
Jeff, I took up too much of our time uh, in the top half of the show going deep in some of these important concepts and your approach and your methodologies and how you do business. Uh, so there's a lot of still a lot of interesting things that, that you are involved with and some other cool concepts I want to talk about. So I'm, I'm going to kind of set up the second half of the show as a pseudo lightning round. I want to lob a couple of uh, questions at you and let you just kind of drive those home and then uh, we'll just bang through those as quickly as we can. One of the things I do want to talk about is this enterprise entrepreneurship series that you do in partnership with TechSquare Labs. What is that all about? Yeah, that's so corporate innovators, the, you know, the folks who we like to work with and talk to, they don't really have a home. Like they, they a lot of times are kind of isolated within their companies. They, you know, there's associations and groups for like marketing professionals to meet the American Marketing Association and others. You know, there's association and groups for like IT folks to meet, but there's really not for corporate innovators. It's, you know, kind of a new space. So we said, well, let's let's form a group of corporate innovators. And we're first starting in Atlanta. We hope to launch in other cities in the future, but it's called the Enterprise Entrepreneurship Series. We're doing it here in Atlanta with TechSquare Labs, which is a kind of a startup incubator and corporate innovation space right on Georgia Tech's campus. And it's been a great series. So we brought together lots of really interesting folks, folks who are responsible for innovation for companies like SunTrust Bank and uh, Cox and Cricket Wireless, which is part of AT&T, Porsche, and a number of others. And so these folks come together. We typically have, you know, a speaker, some sort of discussion on different areas of corporate innovation. We do it. We do it every other month. Yeah, that sounds very, very cool. Another event that you're a part of is the 352 Inc. annual hackathon. I think you're planning on this happening maybe August, September of this year. Uh, what's that event all about? Yeah. So not only do we design, you know, digital products for clients, but we also do our own. We also, um, you know, our, we figure if we can get really good at launching our own digital products to market, you know, websites and software and apps, and they gain market traction and become, you know, successful products. If we, if we get really good at doing it ourselves, then all those skill sets translate really well to our clients as well. So we love to have that experience of doing that. So one thing we do is we close down the whole agency for a few days every, every like kind of late summer. And all of our teams get to bring their own product ideas into the agency and, and just build really cool, interesting product ideas. And then at the end of it, last year we did it for three days. At the end of it, we brought in judges from kind of really well-known either startups or companies in town. Each team presents and shows the work that they did. The judges judge. They choose a winner. Then the winning team actually gets the opportunity to get pulled off of client work and and work on actually bringing their idea fully to market. And if it does anything in the marketplace, we share back a percentage of the revenue with the winning team. So it's a really nice setup. Everyone in the company really looks forward to it. And it's a great way to kind of get our own internal innovation going each year. Oh, I can see how that happens. Yeah. I want to shift away from some events and talk about some some approaches of yours towards business that I think are pretty interesting. I've heard you talk about traction marketing, which is in essence lean principles applied to marketing, which to me is absolutely fascinating. And frankly, in my view, I, I, the only way, frankly, you should go to market, but that's my opinion. What exactly is traction marketing and how are you applying it? Yeah, there's a really uh, interesting book that came out last year called Traction, How Any Startup Can Achieve Explosive Customer Growth. And the premise of the book is that in order to market, you know, a website or a digital product, you should take a very iterative approach. You should take a very test driven approach. So basically what Traction says is there are 19 different 
ways of marketing something online from like, you know, paid search to SEO to, you know, even things like PR or viral videos or whatnot. And you should go through a process of, of trying and experiment in, in many of those different 19 channels. And every week you should be running some experiments. And then as experiments are proving positive results, you start to kind of move those experiments to a place where you start to put more money and more effort into them. So it's a very test-driven way of doing marketing for any type of product. And it, it's, it, we like it a lot. We think it's a really smart way of doing marketing in the year 2016. It's, it's kind of a very modern way of doing it. It's proven good results. And so we have our own internal product growth team that works with our clients to help them do this traction style of marketing for, you know, for their websites and digital products. Good Lord, we could do a whole two hour conversation around that whole idea. Interesting. One final thing before, I mean, we're running out of time. Uh, this idea of, uh, of Scrum and user experience, best practices. Uh, what is that all about? That sounds interesting too. Yeah. So we are, you know, we use kind of agile and scrum as our workflow, which is a, you know, very iterative workflow when we're building out a product, all of our work, it's organized into two week sprints, which I think is a really great thing to do, no matter what type of project you're working on digital or not, just to kind of organize your work into little two week segments of time. And at the end of every two weeks to reset, recalibrate, reprioritize, and then organize your next two weeks. It seems to work really well. And so, you know, one interesting thing about that is we focus a lot on user experience. What is the experience like of using the websites or products that we're building? And working in these kind of two-week scrum workflows allows you the opportunity to incorporate user feedback that you've received or that you've solicited on your product every two weeks. You can so when you kind of, you know, you complete your two weeks worth of work and you kind of come up for air and you start planning your next two weeks. And during that planning session, you say, hey, by the way, you know, what feedback do we get over the last two weeks? What do our the analytics look like in terms of how were people using whatever we built, et cetera? And you take that knowledge and you're able to then roll that into you know what you're going to be doing the next two weeks. Good Lord. That's another thing we could talk for a couple hours about. Holy smokes, good stuff. Criminal that we uh, only asked one question on each of those two critically important potential modern business concepts. Good stuff. Well, Jeff, gosh, dog it. We're running low on time and, and I, there's so much more we could do. And I have 300 questions I could ask you on all of these things we've talked about. Sadly, we're out of time. Before I let you go, how can people contact you? Should they have questions on any of this? Where can they learn more about 352 Inc.? And where can they get information on those uh, two events, Enterprise and Entrepreneurship Series and the Hackathon? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, 352 Inc. is our company name. Our website is 352inc.com. And a lot of information is available on our website about these different things. I certainly would welcome anyone if you go to 352inc.com. You can contact us through that. I've got a great team I work with who can certainly respond with information on any of that. Or you can reach out to me. A good way to reach me is on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Jeff is with a G. So it's G-E-O-F-F 352. So feel free to follow me on Twitter. Message me through there. It's a good way to connect. Jeff Wilson, President and CEO of 352 Inc. Jeff, great pleasure to have you. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it, Todd. Take care. All right. It's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Jeff Wilson, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. 